says, get that India, big boy. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Tip Sheet, another instant reaction podcast as it were. As always, I'm your host, John, also known as 4020. Joining me, locked into the front row, is my good mate, 60s. Not a fun episode, mate. Uh, frankly, an embarrassing episode to have to record based on what we saw on the field today. But let's jump into the post-mortem of round 22 with the Manly Seagulls 56 to fit in the Paramaterials 10. First of all, let's, uh, let's see how we are checking in with you, mate. Um, you holding up? Mate, if, never let it be said that we shirk from facing the ugliness of performances. I've been supporting the Eels for over 50 years, and that one is a memorable one for all the wrong reasons. We're going to talk about some of that coming up, but it's a low point, mate. It is a real low point. And, we know. Uh, we'll preface our discussions of the fact that we know that fans are going to be very upset this week, understandably so. We know there's going to be a lot of vitriol directed at players and coaches. So I know that fans are going to want players and coaches to be held responsible for what happened on the field this week and in weeks past. So try and keep the discourse and the conversation at least remotely civil so we can actually talk about football without attacking each other. With that said... Uh, yeah, feel free to vent within reason because what we saw tonight was not good enough um, and it, it is the uh, inverse cherry on top of a, a very difficult month of football for Parramatta fans. So let's start with that painful score recap. As we mentioned earlier in the podcast, Eels losing 56-10 to to their arch-rivals Manly. For the Seagulls, it was an auspicious day for Ruben Garrick becoming their single-season leading point scorer of a couple of games left in the bag steal. He also scored a hat-trick on the day alongside Brad Parker, Tom Tobojevic, Dylan Walker and Jason Saab and Homoli Olakowatu getting on the board for a single try effort. Moses Uli also nabbing a double there. Garrick 8 from 10 off the kicking tee. For the blue and gold, Tom Opachik scoring before half-time care of a uh, Ryan Madison bullet offload and Wanga Blake scoring on the buzzer uh, from a Dylan Brown grubber kick. Quinton Gufferson going 1 from 2, converting that Wanga Blake try. Murata Niakore spending 10 minutes in the Simbin for a professional foul. That was a clear-cut call for the referee. Uh, likewise, Ryan Madison getting sent off in the 62nd minute. Uh, he was uh, done for the high shot on Brad Parker. And I initially thought it was worse than it was, which is weird to say this isn't defending Ryan Madison, who's going to spend some time on the sideline. I thought he actually went in with a deliberate shoulder charge on the initial uh, live call. But then when I saw the replay, you, you see Parker get cut down just before contact. And Madison, I don't think, was leveraged particularly high, but he just made terrible contact at the head. So I can understand why he was sent off. Uh, in terms of the team stats, it's going to be pretty brutal viewing, but we'll go for it quickly. Uh, 56% possession for Manly, uh, 26 minutes, 25 time possession versus Parramatta's 20, 46. Uh, both teams completing fairly substandard. Manly 77%, Parramatta an awful 67%. Uh, Manly dominating every key attacking stat, uh, particularly line breaks, 14-1. And then in terms of kick defusal, both teams having a bad night, uh, 43% for Manly, 33% for Parramatta. Uh, Eels defending 87.6% to Manly's 93.9%. Uh, Eels producing slightly more errors and penalties, which was a lot closer than I thought given the flow of the game. Uh, and both teams not using their full suite of interchanges, but I dare say that had something to do with the HIAs in the game. In terms of individual players, if you had to look at guys on the stat sheet who jumped out, it's pretty slim pickings, as you'd imagine, when you get 50 put on you. Um, I thought the rookie, Makahesi Makatoa, tried his guts out. I thought he had some decent impact too. I thought Wanga Blake again even if the numbers aren't insane, 10 runs, 91 metres and a try, I thought he was a lot of hustle. Um, that try he scored was a pure hustle play. Uh, and, and it feels like, uh, weirdly, the timing of Wanga Blake figuring himself out at centre has coincided the rest of the team falling apart. It's like he's the monsters from Space Jam and he sucked all the energy out of the rest of his teammates. It's wild. <laughs> That's a, an interesting way of looking at it, but I'm glad you can find... Some positives out there. Oh, I mean. I'm, <laughs> I, I, I have an observation I'd like to make right at the moment, which is when I looked at the performances of the two teams, the Manly looked like they were playing a New South Wales Cup side. And the irony the of all of that yeah. is that the Parramatta player who was up from New South Wales Cup was probably one of the better performers out there on the field. Yeah, he'll be one of the few that got a passing grade when they do their internal reviews. Uh, I look at the rest of the team, another disappointing showing from Quinton Gufferson. 
Mike Acevo, just there was a, some. If I talk about, if I give Wanga Bike some props for hustle, I feel like the the reverse is true for Mike. There are just some awful moments there where he just was not getting back defensively or for uh, kick up uh, clean up duty on kick. Sorry, uh, Tom Opechik, not a great night at the office. Michael Oldfield, hot, I mean, I, I saw someone comment that, that that was like a Justin Hunt tier club debut. In, in terms of what he did in, you know, Oldfield, not not exactly being thrown into a friendly situation on that troublesome right edge, but he did himself no favours with some bad reads, some terrible initial contact, uh, and some otherwise poor positioning in defence. Uh, the, the halves felt like they tried, but to the point where they were trying too hard, which led to mistakes. You saw, obviously, Mitchell Moses drop the ball uh, deep instead of half trying to clear the kick. Uh, Dylan Brown was, you know, running the ball and, and trying to have an impact, but... Uh, again, struggled for fluency, uh, as did the, the entire team in attack. Junior Baller, completely invisible. Uh, Joey Lasik, terrible service from dummy half. Uh, funnily enough, Sean Lane was reasonable. He was a player that I actually almost had picked out preemptively to have a bad game, and he, he was reasonable. Ryan Madison had a couple of nice moments, but then he compounded that by dropping the ball cold in the first half and then obviously getting sent off. Nathan Brown had that shocking pass from Lasik that he dropped and then a set later dropped the pass cold from Sean Lane. Uh, Bryce Cartwright barely got onto the field, right near Corey getting put in the bin, and that's it because Makatoa was the the only other reasonable player. So I, honestly, outside of Makatoa and, and to an extent Wanga Blake and maybe Sean Lane, I, I really struggled to to even give anyone close to a passing grade on what we saw tonight. Mate, now that you've summed up the individual performances, and I don't really want to add too much more to that, I want to have a look at some team characteristics at the moment. Resilience. What score would you give that out of 10 at the moment for our team? Uh, it's not even getting a single digit. It's a, it's a flat-up zero, isn't it? The, the complete lack of character or, or strength of character has just been on show for a month now. And once again, we're seeing our opponents score in clusters, which is a, a trademark of a team with no backbone. Brad Parker, Ruben Garrick, third and sixth minute. Trebojevic and Garrick, and then Dylan Walker, 20, 26, 28th minute. Saab, Suli, Suli. I mean, to be fair, the, the last few tries, it's kind of a little bit of a blur because we're down to 11 men. And so it was... Yeah, it was I'm, I'm, not even, I'm not even going to consider the, yeah, the, the, the first the first sixty when minutes, it was 11 players. Yeah, the, first, because, the first 60 minutes, uh, I mean, they did a complete discredit to themselves in the jersey. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, we're we're talking about say a score line that might have been high thirties or, or forty um, to ten, which is that that's bad enough. As I said, I'm not even going to talk about the the period of time down to eleven players. But what I will say is that getting down to eleven players was our own damn fault. Oh, 100 percent, hundred percent, yeah. So um, maybe I should be including that. But let, again, I, so we're giving us a score of, I was going to give us a score of one out of 10 for resilience. So com, oh, our think, combined I, I think score, you're being our average, generous. sorry, is 0. 0.5 That's right. out of 10. Yeah, I think you're being generous of one. Yeah, yeah. So our, our average score is 0. 0.5 out of 10. So less than one out of 10. Um what would you what would you score out of ten for football intelligence in that performance? Uh, I'm just trying to think of any heads up plays I saw that might salvage at least a point. Uh, I'm struggling. I'm struggling here because I mean this is something we've harped upon in recent weeks too about the lack of. Uh, I mean football intelligence is probably a, a, an overly generous term as well it feels like football fundamentals uh but if i had to pick i i will say i'll give us a two out of ten because we were awake to the the threat of a dce 4020 and we actually managed to defuse that a couple of times tonight yeah and in in terms of the the team functioning as a team let's just talk overall teamwork what would you give that as a score out of ten? Zero. Uh, they're yep. not. They're not a team. They, they, I mean, they're not even a group of individuals. They're somehow neither. Uh, it's not even like there's a, a cluster of individuals trying to put the team on their back consistently. We've spoken about some guys having good games, and obviously Wang has sort of been the consistent factor across this last month. But 
they're not even functioning as a group of individuals. The 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 sheer lack of chemistry and, and the the ability to get in each other's way consistently is almost impressive. Yeah. So we've had uh, people making uh, criticism, saying that um, we need to show more in attack that. There's uh, not enough shapes that are being um, thrown at the opposition or um, there not enough questions being asked that, that what we do is easy to read. I would say that our fundamentals are so bad that, I, I mean, I, I'd be happy if we were throwing the most basic of shapes mm. at an opposition at the moment because I, I'm waiting for the error to come. I'm waiting for players to run into each other. Now, all that may be a factor of a group of players who are so far down in confidence that uh, it's going to take it's going to take something special to get their mindset away from where they are now. I thought the moment that summed up the difference between the teams and this might sound a, a strange thing to highlight but it was Tom Turbo's garbage pass when he was hammered on the line, but he still threw the pass, which was then picked up for the try. <laughs> you had, and I you had Michael Oldfield standing in no man's land, just sort of like watching the ball like a deer in headlights. Yeah, and, and I looked at that and I thought, there's a team who are so filled with confidence with what they're doing, so in tune with who they are, that the player who's perhaps the best player in the world at the moment is prepared to just shot the ball out, recklessly and, shovel and, it out, and then yeah, and they've, they've got the confidence there. that someone is going to be there. Yep. And in in contrast, um, something like that that should never lead to a try was the easiest four pointer mm-hmm. that you'd ever see. And I know we were probably down in. In players at that point, that, but that I just thought, the man, well, there's the, there's the difference between the two teams. Yeah, and you know, from from the get go, Eels done for a pretty ticky tack penalty in the first set. Uh, Joey Lusick done for attacking the legs of the uh, runner, even though he didn't really attack the legs so much as just wrap up the ankle and uh, fold him over gently. And we we see that a hundred times every game. And sure enough, it wasn't called for the rest of the game as well. But from there, the Eels, like we said, that lack of resilience. Uh, on display immediately as uh, Manly go and hold the Eels out to zero possessions in the first 10 minutes on the back of that uh, initial run of tries, those two tries in the third and sixth minute. And unfortunately, the writing was on the wall then, wasn't it? And we spoke about it in the preview podcast. That yes, I was this- about to, as you, were, as you were talking about that there with that uh, opening uh, minute to the game, and I was immediately thinking about what we spoke about in the preview podcast where I said we'd we'd have a fair idea of where we were going to be at in those first couple of minutes. And when there was no resilience with that and where the break down Parramatta's uh, right side came almost immediately, <laughs> yep. predictably. And I just thought, well, I know what we're going to, what we're about to get. And for the second try to come so quickly, you just knew it was, it was going to be ugly, and I, I dare say that although Manly was switched on, they also made a lot of errors oh, around. Man- Manly it, it, it saved our asses. One hundred percent. Manly, period. as you know, attacking and and cavalier as they were, also did not have a great game in terms of the the clinical aspect of their of their side of the football. There were opportunities there for Parramatta, especially at the start of the second half, to make some serious inroads and. Once again, a lack of patience and inability to execute, getting in each other's way. Uh, just the that entire sequence of possessions to start the second half was an embarrassment to the players, to the coaching staff, to the club. Yeah. Now, I, I want to address our defensive systems too because I've had it. I've been fortunate enough to have it. Um, I've been talked through the how the defensive system works, and I spoke about it in our last reaction podcast. And my comment then was, if we have different players on the edges and no matter who we put there, that the defensive system doesn't work, then if you've got 
the players and and let's say for example it's the players fault right so just bear with me for a moment let's say for example it's the players fault that that defensive system doesn't work then you still have a scenario where you've used multiple players in that system mm-hmm. and multiple players can't cope with that system so that then tells you for that for the group of the players that you've got that that system doesn't work. And this is, I think, the, the, the big point of contention for us versus a lot of our critics. And when I say our critics, I mean TCT, not the club, in that we, we, we coddle the coaching staff or not. This is clearly an area where we've identified that the coaching staff need to show either a willingness to change or, or to freshen things up, to up, update the systems. Where And, and in the other areas where we, we apportion responsibility in the players, that's separate. This is clearly something that you've identified that the coaching staff, they're not coaching to the strengths of the playing roster, right? That That's how I feel. I just, I look at it and I think the, and, and I'm not saying anything that anyone well, else hasn't I, observed. I say coaching, well, I say coaching but, to the strengths, but that might be a bit, yeah, yeah. A bit of a, um, a wrong way of putting it. But yes, coaching to yeah. the, the, what the, the roster has for you defensively. Yeah. So we've had, We've had times where the defensive system has worked quite well because we had a period of time in the in let's be honest that Parramatta built up the for and against that they did because the systems were working for the team. Uh, however, even within that period, there were players where it didn't work for, and there were combinations that it didn't work for. Right now, we are getting a horrible run where teams are just dismantling us and not and not with anything complicated. They are dismantling our edges with consummate ease. And yes, there are occasions where the players are making some wrong decisions, but if they're not capable of making the right decisions with the systems that we've got, then something has to be changed. And Oh, if 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 you haven't got the players within the within your the squad to be able to do what you want to do, then you're going to have to make a change to to that system. And it's damn late in the season to be looking at it, but I can't see any other way around it because it, it, it's not going to change. I just don't see that changing. The but- it's training it's training run stuff. The the ease with which. There's two. There's there's, there's no two doubt to three about it. It's const- constantly two, two or three on zero, exactly. And you you can see even from set pieces that we're just not numbering up. And you know it's a basic mathematical counting issue from the team that they're not from from the ruck outwards. They are not manning up. So look, I, I agree I, that we we need the. Can I just can I just say I think I saw maybe one occasion tonight where I thought. Um, okay, the player's done the wrong thing there, and that was where uh, the try was scored by Saab outside Sivo, where... See, I, uh, Wunga Blake... Had, yeah, did. it was free they on free. Did. It was free on free, and Wunga... Yeah, Wunga yep. Sivo had yep. to trust that Wunga had his man, and if he misses, it's Wunga's fault, but Sivo came in. And yeah, I, I agree. That, that that really stood out to me as well, because I was like, no, like you, you had it free on free. Like somehow we managed to man up correctly from the ruck and, and instead Sivo makes the wrong decision. So yeah. well, it shows everyone, you the importance. Everyone was, sl- everyone was sliding in that instance. You had Dylan Brown was going outwards to his player. You had Wonga Blake was going outwards to his player. It was forcing the ball further wide. And yes, then in came Sivo and was, and was coming in, caught in no man's land, looking to make the tackle with Wonga Blake and it just, yeah, it, it it made absolutely no sense. And just on just on Micah, I said the other week that I thought that he needed um, a break for a week or two, just like oh, VA I'm, gave. Uh, I am ready. Berger I'm ready to give break. half a dozen players, core players, a break. If I'm going to be honest, so but yeah. Micah is definitely on that list. Yeah, I, I, look, I would say so because. Um, We've said before that we want more from Micah with his carries from the backfield, and um, we're we're almost getting zero from that mm-hmm. in the in the feed income department. So, and teams are picking uh, but I, I just I just wanted to say that there. But then, as you said, like if you if you looked at tonight's game, an emotional reaction would have you um, giving 
seven or eight players a rest. And, and big, big obviously name, big name that's one of things can't happen. Big name players, but the virtue of the bubble means that you don't have that luxury. You, yeah. You know, you've got a limited playing roster already because you had 30 players going to the bubble. We know that the Eels have a rather extensive injury list now, unfortunately. Which means that you're you're just carrying guys that are clearly out of form and out of sorts. So, and then the question now becomes: How much do you want to expose someone like Will Penasini to the current playing environment? And I've been banging the drums for him to come back into the team, but does that help his development? I don't know anymore. Yeah, well, if we're if we're honest, it doesn't right at the moment. It doesn't really matter who the Eels' opponents are, exactly, because the way the way that Parramatta is playing. You can we can talk about the tough run with Murders Row and, and what have you, but if tonight if tonight they were lining up against the Bulldogs or the Tigers or the Broncos, and I don't mean disrespect to those they, teams, they but get, they're, they they're sitting down at the bottom. All of those all of those teams that are sitting at the bottom of the ladder be frothing at the would, mouth. Have be, would have beaten the Eels tonight. They'd be frothing at the mouth to take on the current Parramatta Eels. They're, yeah, they're, that is the the God's honest truth and. I don't know how they turn it around. Do we have a week away from football? Does the is this the point of the season where the coaches say, "Well, you're, nothing I'm saying or we're saying is getting through to you, so coach yourselves this week"? Like, is that is that what it takes? Is it the hands off approach? Is it sack half the team approach or sack who you can, given what's available? Once again, given the uh, issues of the bubble, I don't know because I, I don't know, mate. It's the, look, it's hard the, because the trajectory that we're, we're on trying, is which one analyze without being overly emotional right now. And we, what do we want from uh, the coach at the moment? Do we want him to have an emotional reaction? Do we want him to be logical in how he um, how he tries to fix this going forward? Because I I don't know, given what the evidence of what we're seeing, whether the team has the resilience to to cope with a flogging. From the coach, I, I really, I really don't. I mean, oh, look, I've had, I've had some of the most extraordinary reactions sent by me, uh, sent to me by text message, on Twitter, on uh, Instagram. That's been uh, popping up on my iPad or my phone. I won't go into the extreme responses that i'm seeing from people but people are highly charged and highly emotional right now and we we, we understand that. they're that, trying to be logical but that, that's not an attack on the fandom right now because we understand why fans are highly charged it, it is incredibly frustrating to sit here and and try and dissect where it's gone wrong we have a team that you know so so confidently took on the storm in round two and then you know as recent as you know late in the mid-season looked like they could take on pretty much all comers, even if it meant, you know, being pushed to your limits by Melbourne or Penrith. And yet all of a sudden, they, they're not even a shadow of that. Yeah, well, we had, just before, let, let's, we don't have to go back too far, where just before this run of matches, Mitch Moses had the opportunity to kick for a one-point win against Penrith. Mm -hmm. Now, okay, it was Penrith without Cleary, but it was a, a route... <laughs> The, I think the money, money apart from money. that, they they certainly had some players there, and and the Eels were without Reed Marnie in that match, and that Penrith team without without Cleary would have put on a similar score to what Manly put on tonight. I have I have very, little very doubt. Fair, yeah. so, so that is a, that that to me is evidence of the of the slide that's occurring at the moment. And we're not seeing signs of it turning around. We're, we're seeing signs of it degenerating to further depths. And, and it's going to, it's going to cost coaches and players so. jobs at this rate. I mean, the, we, I can see a reactionary response coming if we keep this slide going. And, oh, it's, uh, yeah, it, it's obvious. I mean, it's, uh, we, we want the, um, we want the A. We want the we want the management. We want everyone to be able to have um, a, a, a logical response because I don't think the player. Well, the players certainly aren't capable of a of a logical response. They're going to be they're going to be emotional. But when, when, when you're there you're in the playing group and you're the ones taking the field, you can't often see the forest for the trees, right? Because you're the guys in yep. the middle of the action. It's hard to be analytical when things are going so bad. 
So uh, I don't know. Like they need to find a way to step back and reassess because like, everything, whether they're being flogged, whether they're being everything's being let go easy, whatever's happening isn't working. And if we keep on this trend, like I said, it's going to cost coaches, players, uh, auxiliary staff, uh, you know, uh, uh, contracts of Parramatta, I suppose, is the, the easiest way of putting it. it. It's going to be hugely costly. And I don't think oh. this playing group and, and everyone in in this, you know, all the stakeholders within inside the the bubble, not, not the COVID bubble, but, the, you know, the bubble that is the Parramatta Reels, I don't think everything they've built over these last three or four years, I don't think they want it to go that way. But that's where it's trending. And it's look. I think the simplest the simplest thing with this is what's what's going wrong, and our answer to that would be everything. Well, you look what happened tonight. We get a we the game is still there as a contest. We get the ball in the first half. Manly haven't blown out the score too bad. We get our first six again of the game, and it's in their red zone. The next tackle, I think it's Junior, drops it cold. Yeah, like that. That is just symptomatic of everything that is wrong with us right now. You, you, we have a bad start, okay. You sort of wrestle yourself back into the contest by just and give yourself a modicum of hope. You score there, and all of a sudden, maybe you can stem the bleeding. Maybe you can start flipping momentum around and getting back into this contest. You get the six again. It's looking up. You've got a chance to you know tire out Manly and, and work to a set piece. You go to one of your core players on the first tackle and next possession, and they drop the wall cold. And that's been you know such a consistent theme across this last month. You know, just dumb football from from great players, and it, it's so frustrating to watch. Yeah, without without question, without question, mate. It's, um, I mean, I, I'm almost at the point where I I, I don't know. Well, I, I just had a message sent to me by Yoko, and she said, "It's like Sydney and COVID. It's not getting better. It's getting." Yeah. A, a lot worse. I mean, maybe maybe there is some magical force that ties the Parramatta Reels' performance to the COVID infection rate. As, oh. as the COVID infection rate in New South Wales has gotten worse, the eels have gotten worse. But, you know, we've already spoken about the whole move to Queensland having an adverse impact on the eels, but you can't use that as an excuse because every club has that same issue. So you got to take that in stride. But, yeah, we're sort of – we're left here sitting uh, sitting around scratching our heads saying, you know, because we know players aren't performing. We know, we've spoken about the defensive structure has not been adapted. So there's there's issues at the coaching level, there's issues especially at the playing level, and I've, I've really banged on this drum because, uh, you know, the accountability I feel like often falls on the players more than anyone else because you're there for 80 minutes having to execute and, you know, and you get paid a pretty penny, a pretty penny for all of that. But, you know, both parties having their issues, and the problem is it's not getting better. And uh, you got to find a way to, and and what what frustrates me is that the players came out this week with all that talk, right? And they're lying in the sand. Junior boys, apology to the fans. Uh, All the the narrative they were pushing that this is going to be, you know, their moment to stand up, and then they fall completely. It's frustrating, and and like I said, I can understand the emotional response that is going to come out of fans this week because what they did there was an embarrassment to themselves and to the club. Mate, it's interesting you say that. I was going to tweet that I'd like an answer for tonight. And then I thought to myself, do you know what? No, I don't I don't want an answer from anyone because it's just words. I need to start to see. That, that's where the entire fan base is right now, I believe. And, and until we see that response, and the problem now is, uh, if we go to our draw, maybe we do have a great result next week because we are taking on the Cowboys. But we, we categorise that by saying, we, the way we're playing right now, any team could put you know a number on Parramatta. But maybe we turn it around and play the Cowboys and put on a nice score and, and look sharp. But that's not an answer, isn't it? Because it's the Cowboys. I don't think it'll be enough of an answer, at least based on what we've seen for the last month. So then you've got to back it up against the Storm. And I say I'd, I'd, I'd take it gleefully oh, at this stage. You, you would take it and run it to the bank, and, and even though interest rates are at 0.02 or whatever percent right now, you'd yeah, lock that in for 10 years, please. You know, I don't even need a variable interest rate for that sort of win. Just give me anything like, on return. But then you've got to take it into the game against the Storm and into the game against Penrith. And and that's the thing. We it just They look so far off the pace at the moment. And, whew, you know, it's just... It's it's just bleeding into every aspect of the game. There's just, you know, dumb football in possession, dumb football out of possession. They're not playing with any sort of speed. The, when we when we get into the red zone, the shape's so predictable. Quentin Gufferson, teams have just picked him off week after week on that block play. 
and he's not you know he's not backing up off the hips of Junior Paulo or Dylan Brown. You know there there is no variance in the looks that we're showing opposition, and that's a purely an effort thing. Like that that yes, obviously the coaches have an aspect of that in preparation of the game, but these guys have been playing football for two decades at some point. You know the, at some sort of high level from the juniors through. Uh, you know, if they won the senior as a squad, but you know, at least a decade of football, they, they know the different attacking shapes. They know the, the idea of backing up and whatnot, and that's why it's so frustrating to see us look not, not just one dimensional, not just a team of individuals. To say that we're a team of individuals uh, doesn't even begin to describe what they're putting together in attack and defense right now. They're not even close to a team of individuals. Well, they're they're a, a team of individuals who aren't even playing remotely close to NRL standard no. football as individuals. No. That would be the, that would be the way you'd, you'd have to put it. And um, I'm, as, I, I'm always that try to be that glass half full person and look for ways that the team can turn things around, look for a positive that I can see in the, in the performance but what we witnessed tonight, on a night where we thought, okay, the players are going to stand up and win or lose, we're going to see an improved performance. And unfortunately, to witness what we saw tonight was about as disheartening as oh, we would gut. ever possibly see. What a, and what a gut punch, eh? Like, it, it hurts. You're sitting, you're sitting there almost in silence watching that game. You don't even have the energy to curse. Because you can just see the momentum completely out of our control. You can see that our right edge is going to get picked off yet again because they're not numbering up at a, like a fundamental level. It was, you know, football in slow motion as a as a car crash in slow motion. It was just awful. One of the things that, and I, I I'm going to choose my words carefully here because as supporters, where. We're not the players. We don't have uh, what the players might possess in terms of their their skills, the their um, time that they give up to to have forged a career in rugby league. We don't have <clears throat> we don't have their talent. Um, we haven't been through what they go through. However, as supporters, we are the lifeblood of the game. And we, if not for supporters, and whether that be what we do in terms of um, buying memberships, turning up to the games, uh, taking on pay TV subscriptions that are the lifeblood of rugby league, whatever it might be, we will feel what we do right now. And... The feeling that I have at the moment as a supporter in a perform after a performance like that is embarrassed. I'm embarrassed mm -hmm. with it with being a Parramatta supporter and looking to try to support efforts like that and that's a really harsh thing to be saying i mean that's the football equivalent of your mum and dad saying i'm not angry i'm disappointed that, that's yeah. honestly where we're at you know as fans because it, it's awful it, it, it's starting to get to some fans to the stage of apathy which is a horrible place to be as a as a someone supporting a, a sporting team and you know th there needs to be a very honest long look and we had a moment of introspection in a preview podcast this week I think there needs to be a similar level or greater among the team this week because they are just so fundamentally failing themselves and failing their stakeholders in the fans that you know support the game and then support the club. Well, I suggested that as a as as part of the preparation that they could put together a five to ten minute highlight package of the moments during the first half of the season virtually up to that Penrith game where they were just winning moments during games, mm -hmm. whether it be, whether it be, and doesn't even have to be scoring the tries, but just big moments in games. You win the moments, you win the game. Exactly. Yeah. Offensively, defensively, whatever it is, but winning the moment and enjoying what your teammates are doing. Now that 
is essentially the same group of players that were delivering performances like that in the early part of the season. That's what makes now, it so wildly confusing. It, this is not a new team. This is, this is not a, an overhauled roster. There hasn't been any sort of seismic change to the playing group. They've just completely yeah. lost their mojo. Yeah, and and with that, we're not. To, I'm. What I'm trying to emphasise with this is, I'm not talking about any grand plans that a team that can do that is going to turn around and win the competition. What I'm talking about is the team that was providing those sorts of moments is essentially the same group of players that have just had three hidings in a row put on them with barely a whimper shown in defiance in those games, barely a whimper of defiance in the last three weeks. I'm not including the loss to Canberra in there. I'm talking about the last three weeks, barely a whimper of defiance. Well, That's once, the once same again, if we saw the, if we saw the, that was providing those big moments earlier in the season. If you saw the effort that we saw against Canberra tonight, you probably keep that score, you probably keep the points within 20. Because against the Raiders, the effort wasn't the issue. It was the the uh, offensive, offensive selection in the red zone and the execution that really hamstrung us. But that it feels like after that they've just flatlined. Yeah, it's it's almost like um, the level of um, well, it, it almost feels and and it's a horrible thing to say, but it almost feels like they threw in the towel after that loss. I mean, the results sort of speak towards that, doesn't it? Uh, they they have given us very little to uh, think or or sort of have a discussion about. Otherwise, you know, they they had huge opportunities, a complete bonanza of gifted opportunities against the Roosters, and failed to convert that into any points. And then you know, last week, whew, you know, against South Sydney, they had moments where they competed, but once again, South just never really got out of second or third gear. And then tonight, straight from the first 10 minutes, and we, we banged on about it in the preview podcast, you've got to score first, you've got to start positively. And, you know, that, that comes back to the coach speak too, that there is a reason why Brad Arthur is harping on about front-loading their effort. Because he knows that if a team starts strongly, they'll continue to play strongly. And yet they're, they're not responding. They're not doing anything to help themselves in those opening exchanges. Yeah, it's it's as bad as disappointing as it can get, and and we're probably now getting to the stage in our review where um, we're we're starting to maybe go over some some ground that uh, I don't know whether we're being constructive anymore, mate. I, I I feel as if we're. I don't think you can be. Yeah. I mean, this is for all fans. I don't think there is a constructive discussion to be had at the moment because. The, the fact is, is that you know, from a coaching level, from a playing level, the team has just let itself down catastrophically, and the the mess is so big that you know it's going to take more than a, a metaphorical mop to contain it. Now they've they've got a I don't know the the milk's been spilled, the the horse has bolted. You know there are so many metaphors and euphemisms you can use here, but they've got to find a way to start from scratch. That that is where they're at now. They have to start from scratch. They've got three games to do it. Uh, you know, crazy things have happened in sport in, in, to, in so far as turning things around, but, geez, they've got to do something close to historic at this point. Well, it's frustrating for for fans to be in our situation where we are in lockdown and we feel like there's nothing we can do about it. We can't get out there. We can't go yelling um, the, the, with cheers. It's very difficult to find words of support at a at a time where you feel like the team hasn't really turned up, uh, when you when you feel like the team hasn't turned up, it's pretty hard to say, "Come on, you can do it." Um, uh, it's not to say I'm I'm not going to be cheering with everything that I've got from a distance at the moment, or 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 hoping and praying for a win. But geez, I think we're at the point where um, there's no excuses there. The team just has to have far more of a dig than they've been prepared to do, and uh, unfortunately, I'm, I'm not seeing the slightest sign that there's any inclination to do that. It's um, yeah, it's it's about as disappointing as as it can be right at the moment. We can 
we can only hope for a miracle, mate, where suddenly they something clicks where they go, you know what, that isn't us. That, that isn't us. Now, whether that's going to be achieved from, uh, and maybe this is a good point to, to wrap it up, do, do you do you see that there's, there's probably going to be a force team change with Madison? I mean, Madison's getting probably, the, he's probably getting the rest of the regulation season out pretty comfortably, yeah. I feel like. He's going to get two to three weeks easy. Um, and, and given that there was another Corey Howe in Ayera also had a very similar shot this week, I wouldn't be surprised if the judiciary comes down very hard this week. And I could yeah. see I could see five plus week suspensions for both players. Um, just so where, where do you see where do you see the team selections going? So we we say something like Bryce Cartwright gets um, gets starting shot on the uh, yeah, on Bryce, the edge. Bryce goes to the board. edge. Uh, whether he, whether he plays the right edge natively or you swap lane around, I'm not sure. Um, but unfortunately, the the move for Zai Papali didn't facilitate anything positive. Uh, both for himself and for the rest of the team. But once again, Manly had a lot of the possession in that opening run, so uh, it's kind of hard to pull anything constructive or, or deconstructive out of that entire period of play. And uh, so we uh, we likely to see uh, Hipgrave come back up yeah, into Ke- the... Keegan's a, Keegan's a shot there. Um, Oregon will be back from his head knock, I assume, but you don't know, so we can't really pencil that in just yet. Um. I mean, I'd be willing to give uh, uh, Tommy Opacic a, a little bit of time to get right with um, the personal issues he's dealing with, um, whether that means you put the rookie Will Penasini in. That, that's a big call because, like we said, I, I would love to see Will Penasini in there from a perspective of giving us a bit of spark because he brought a lot of energy to the game against the Gold Coast Titans. But on the flip side – sorry, against the, the Canberra Raiders, not the Gold Coast Titans. On the, on the flip side, do you want him to be exposed to what the team is right now? Because this is not who they are. Well, if Ferguson's if Ferguson's not right, does uh, Oldfield hold his place? Uh, no. Does Hayes Dunster get brought back in? I would take. Or, Hayes, I would take. Hayes. Am I, or as I suggest, uh, Wonga Blake moves to the wing because I, in I all mean, as Wonga is your best player in the team at centre at the moment, though. Like I understand that you you've got a sort of longer term view with that uh, roster move there, but. At the same time, Wong is pretty much the only positive contributor from the left-centre role. So it's a tough call. I mean, you could play Sean Russell on the left wing. I think Marcus Evo has done enough to be warranted to be dropped. I would the, the last person that I'd be bringing in right now is young is young Sean. I've, I've got to be honest because I think he'd be on a hiding to nothing. Like, he'd be, uh, he'd be um, thrown in at the deep end where we'd be expecting him to make metres um, carrying the ball where blokes like um, Mike Acevo are failing to do that consistently. I, I, I look at Wonga Blake and I go, well, I'm pretty sure that he's going to bring metres in the carries from the backfield. And uh, certainly he's not going to perform uh, any less than what Mike Acevo is. Um and uh, look, I'd be tempted. I'd be, I would seriously be tempted to to play Will at centre, and play Wonga Blake on the wing. Now, what about? Uh, no, I'm not even going to. I'm not even give breath to that. But there was a another position that I might have suggested Will Smith play next week, but it would have been very controversial. Uh, what were you suggesting? Will out at centre on the wing? No, no, neither of those spots. Uh, dummy half. No. Fullback. Yeah, uh, I, I am ready to drop. I am ready to drop big names. Junior Bolo, Quinton Gufferson. Uh, you know, uh, I feel like Dylan tried tonight, but at the same time, he's probably a player that could have benefited in a in a healthier environment for some time in reserve grade. Uh, but we don't really have that healthy environment anymore. Uh, I I am, and I don't think I'm. This is purely from an emotional perspective. I think there is an element of emotional charge to my. Uh, to my thought process here, but I, I am, this is something that I've harped on about for a few weeks now, and I am ready to see core players held accountable. And, and I mean core players, you know, Junior Paul and Quentin Gufferson. I just, I don't know, because whatever else they're doing isn't working, and maybe giving Will Smith a shot at fullback, and, and I know Will's got an error or two in him, but it feels like he'd at least bring some energy. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, I'd be, I'd be tempted to, be playing him at dummy half because um, I think our service from dummy half was yeah, Joey, uh, Joey Strong, which, is, which is surprising given 
that he was pretty clean in that initial run. But then again, it's easy to forget. No reserve grade, not coming in with consistent football under your belt. So Well, that's that's it a hundred percent. Is uh, uh, that was that was easily um the worst performance that Joey Lussick has put in in his opportunities in first grade with us. Um but I look at that and I go do you know what he what he produced tonight was symptomatic of the rest of the team? Mm-hmm. It's it it maybe I was wrong. Maybe they maybe they are playing as a team because they're they're playing <laughs> really similar. Playing, playing down to the same level, barring guys like Wanga and Makatoa, who by the way should be an automatic inclusion next week. Uh, Makatoa yeah. did nothing to dissuade, or should have done nothing to dissuade the selection panel from picking him uh, and getting a good rotational uh, set of minutes against the Cowboys? Well, I think a statement there's, that would e- be easy for Brad Arthur to make to the other forwards is, this bloke's going to be the first bloke I select this week. If I don't select you this week, or if, you, if, you, um, if you're not starting and you think you're going to start, whatever the case may be, but you have to, if he takes anyone's place... He can simply say, you have to give me a reason why I should select you in front of him. Because I think I think he set um, a decent step. And we saw, again, what we predicted, multiple hit-ups in the same set of six where he would, he would do he, – he would just – he was putting his hand up for as many carries as he could and um, – yeah, it, it, as as we've talked about before, uh, too many other disappointing performances out there. Um, and, w- I mean, without question, we're missing Reg out there in terms of the impact that he brings out on the field. But, again, it keeps coming back to the fact that as soon as we're getting something going wrong, the resilience level is as close to zero as it can possibly be. So... Yeah. Anyway, mate, I'm what a I'm just what a miserable chat, eh? Hey? What a miserable discussion to have on a Saturday night. But that's the uh, reality of the situation. The Parramatta Eels doing themselves absolutely zero favors uh, as they continue to spiral downwards, and they need a circuit breaker. They need to find a way to flip the switch, to start from scratch, to you know pull a catalyst out of somewhere to completely reignite who they are and what they want to be. Yeah. I wish I had an answer, mate. I don't think anyone has the answer because <laughs> otherwise, otherwise you'd think uh, one of the players or the coaches or someone would have stepped forward at this point and, and figured it out. But uh, the it's a perfect confluence at the moment to create this shitstorm where, you know, obviously all the players are away from home. Uh, the, there isn't the full complement of auxiliary staff helping the boys out because uh, you can only have a certain amount of people in the bubble. I think it's 36, is it, right? In, in the bubble in general, players and staff. So... Uh, you're short-handed. You're away from home. There is no home ground advantage. So, all the, once again, all these factors influencing every team the same way. But when you're in a hole, you know sometimes the energy from a home crowd can help you get over the hump. And they haven't got that right now. And and it feels like they just they don't they don't know what to fix. And I don't envy the the players. I don't envy the coaches. I don't envy Brad Arthur having to do the review and and drag themselves through what happened on the field this week. But they've got to do it, and they've got to find a way to turn it around. Yes, sir. Yes, indeed. And I think on that extremely sombre note, we're going to tune out. And uh, just on the note, once again, saying that uh, we understand everyone's going to be emotional and we know there's going to be sack players, sack the coach, sack the assistant coach, you know, go sign X player and whatnot. And that's okay. You, you, you can vent, but just please be reasonable to each other. Don't be rude to each other. This is a time where the, the team's causing enough issues for fans in general. So we don't need to be cannibalizing each other. So keep it civil and, and try and be constructive as difficult as it is, but the way that the Eels are making it difficult. But yeah. Yeah. Maybe if I can just add in there, be critical of performance, be critical of the way that they're, they're playing. Let, let's not make um, personal shots at exactly, people because yes. we do have, we do have um, players at all levels within the club, families, friends that uh, follow social media and uh, not just the Cumberland Throw, but all sites. And it's 
look, it's it's going to be hard enough. A lot of those people will probably stay off social media after a performance like that, and not and and completely understandable that they would because it's not going to be a pleasant place to visit. But let's let's not have a situation where um, we go where we cross lines in our responses. We're going to understand emotions, but yeah, let's let's not cross and any lines. That's the thing is that everyone's hurting. That's fans and players. I don't think the player's going to be happy at all with the fact that they don't know what's wrong. They're, they're going to be upset, and, and sometimes you might not see that because of the nature of you know our parasocial relationship with the playing group. But you know, no one is happy with where we're at right now. So yeah, TCT is there for everyone to have a discussion about what's happened and what's gone wrong and what your options would be to fix it as long as you're being you know, within reason. And yeah, and until the boys figure it out, it's going to be tough for everyone. So unfortunately, that's the reality of our situation and we have to persevere. Yes, mate. Well, uh, has it been cathartic tonight? Is it, has it felt like a, a load off the shoulders or off the heart trying to... trying to I think, it, I think it's healthy for us to talk about it when the, the wound is so fresh, but uh, I can't say it's been as cathartic as the last couple of responses because... There, there hasn't been the response from the team, right? We haven't seen that uh, bounce back trend yet, so it's uh, yeah. it's tough. But you know, uh, it, sports does this to you, and you know, as much as we we complain rightfully about Parramatta slumping here, there's there's some doozies in sports history about you know teams that don't see the finals for decades, and and teams that have squandered you know gilded opportunities to win a title. So while it sucks right now, in in the greater context of sports it's still not the worst. So I, I can cop it on the chin, I suppose. Yeah. Yep. And on that note, we'll sign off. Uh, if you're here for the 51 and a half minutes it took us to record our post-match thoughts, I sincerely thank you for persevering and pushing through and listening. You showed a lot more commitment and dedication than the players across the last couple of weeks. Hey, we, went, we went about double the length of time that I thought we would go. Yeah. Uh, I mean, maybe it was more cathartic than I thought. Maybe there was a little bit more uh, <laughs> soul searching done than, than I initially gave credit to, but yeah, I mean, obviously we're in a hole right now and it's been very difficult to go away out of it, but we're on to next week, round 23 against the Cowboys, a chance to jag a win and maybe spark something. But yeah, it's uh, not over to the Fat Lady Sings and there's still, as 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 long as the odds get, there is still time to turn it around. And uh, I mean, the I suppose the silver lining is that if we do manage to turn it around now, we're starting to talk all-time fairy tale runs into the finals. So it'll be a very exciting ride if they do figure it out in the next week or two. Mate, we must be over 50s. It might be time for me to have a punt. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe, just, to, maybe, just to really finish them off. We, we talk about circuit breakers. Maybe we do need to let you have a punt on something in, involving the Eels. So you've got the green light. You've you got the, uh, the the full green light. The, the coaches uh, say so to go for the grand slam, the, the big home run. Um, yeah, have a have a flutter on something exotic on the Parramatta Reels this week. Maybe that'll be the uh, reset switch they need. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think that's a good note to end it on, mate. <laughs> uh, we'll catch you guys in the next episode, which should drop early in the week. It'll be a, a fun one for those that uh, would want to remember better times when it comes to the Parramatta Reels. So, um, yeah, look forward to the next tip sheet dropping soon. Okay, thanks, mate.